All right, folks, welcome to Call and Shots. Uh, I, game three, a uh, win by the Celtics that looked dicey for a while, especially in the third quarter as we're used to seeing. But they end up uh, kind of comfortably uh, down the stretch, extending to a 16-point win. Uh, to help me break it down, I have uh, uh, from, from the, I almost said the Action Network, from the ringer, uh, Raheem Palmer. Uh, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I had the Celtics in this game, and I mean, it played out mostly the way I thought it would. Like, like you said, it got dicey in the third with you know them playing that drop coverage. But I mean, look, they continue to struggle in these third quarters. It's just that's the theme right now. So it's kind of frustrating. But I do think the Celtics are the better team in this series. That's so. I, I there's a couple of different kind of group chats that I'm in where like it's, it's the sort of things just like. Like the Celtic, I feel like the Celtics are better when they're not, but the but they've shown all playoffs that the parts of when they are, you know, when they are throwing the ball around, when when Tatum is getting caught behind the play and giving up fast break baskets, when they're missing free throws, when they're you know when they're kind of losing people in 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 you know on switches, um, that's part of it too. So I think that's what makes them so fr- like as you said, kind of frustrating is the difference between them executing well and not is so stark and it seems like it, it it can switch so quickly during a game yeah i mean look i'm not sure i've ever even seen anything like it i mean look we've been talking all year about how the celtics need a point guard and i think it shows up um at critical moments now it's like when tatum is passing the ball like you, you've seen it there's a correlation between their ability to to pass the ball and get assists and their turnover rate um and their wins. Like, I think, you know, this year they're 13 and two when they're under five turnovers, I mean, under 15, 15 turnovers or less. They had 12 turnovers tonight. And, like, I mean, that was key. That's, that's the part of the thing that got the Warriors back in the game in that third quarter. They started turning the ball over. So, um, it just, it just feels like watching this game tonight, it was just like they got anything they wanted at the rim. And Draymond Green was almost like a step too slow. Like, he just didn't provide anything. He didn't provide rebounding. He didn't provide any offense. He didn't provide scoring. He just – defensively, he just wasn't there. So, you know, I, I know Kerr is always going to be loyal to his guys, but I would have liked to see Looney play a little bit more minutes tonight. That's an interesting observation. I think I think um, that sort of gets me to, to you know, you're, you're mentioning some of the, the you know, the, the, the drop coverage and stuff like that. But I'm – I'm wondering, like, Boston had close to a 40% offensive rebound rate tonight. And so right before we started, I asked on Twitter, like, how many threes, is extra threes giving up to Curry, is it worth? Uh, because, you know, they're, they're, you're going to give that up some if you're playing two bigs versus the Warriors. But I think we, I think, you know, for as much as Curry got hot at times, I kind of feel like Boston won that trade off tonight. Yeah, that's an interesting. I, I, I never thought about it in the sense of a trade off in terms of their offensive rebound rate versus Curry's. But yeah, they did. They actually won that trade off because it's just like they actually dominated on the boards and they got a ton of second chance points. I mean, what, what was the second chance points tonight? I mean, I don't have the exact number, but it just it just felt like <laughs> the, the, the Celtics had 15 offensive rebounds. So it was yeah, 15 like to six at, on off on the offensive rebounds. Yeah, yeah. Like, when you when you look at it like that, they actually won that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I think a decent part of that is, and and I see someone with a question there. We'll get to get to you in a second. But I think that we have to. I mean, we've kind of buried the lead a little bit here, a little bit. Uh, Robert Williams uh, 
despite like still looking like he was kind of limping around out there, he was everywhere tonight. Um, it just like if that's him playing partially hurts, like you know, I think that was uh, you know it's coming down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Like the Warriors just did not want to shoot near him. And then he had a number of big offensive rebounds, a number of really nice defensive plays in space with his, with you know, getting steals and tips as well. Um, I think if there's a like, even aside from Brown and Tatum, he might have been the most important part of Boston's win tonight. Oh yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, like he had four blocks. It felt like, like you said, it felt like they just didn't want to go around him. And actually, you know, I went into this game thinking that the Celtics will kind of have to go small and just play Horford or just play one big. Um, just because I didn't expect Robert Williams to be able to play 26 minutes tonight. Like, he just he looked like he couldn't move the other night. And, I mean, granted, you got the extra time between Sunday and Wednesday, but I think that's something to look for going, like, going into Friday. Will he be able to put up the same effort um, with him being banged up on shorter rest? For sure. Let's get to let's get. We got a couple of people waiting for some questions. Let's get to them. Uh, apologies if I mispronounced uh, Abdul Rahman, am I close? Uh, hit, hit, if you yes, you're right. close. You were very close, Seth. Great. What can we do for you? I have a question. Yeah, please. About, about uh, Celtic, uh, Celtics uh, offensive rebound. Do you think that will continue in the game four or not? That's a, that, that's a great question. I think that gets back to what, uh, you know, I, not to take words out of your mouth, Raheem, but... Uh, I think that gets back to like Looney a little bit. Like I think that um, you know at times it, at times it seemed like the Warriors were playing like their bigs, quote unquote, were Otto Porter and Andrew Wiggins. And if Boston is being as physically aggressive as they were tonight, I think you leave yourself open to to giving up a bunch of second chance opportunities. But I think that yeah, like Green and DP two doesn't box out all the time. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't think Draymond Green's going to play as badly in Game Four as he did tonight. So that's, that's part of it. But yeah, no, I think that. I mean, that is an advantage for Boston. Will it, will they still have it in Game Four? I don't know, but it's something that I'd, I'd be looking for the rest of the series, certainly, as as a, as kind of a key. You know, it's one of those things like you know, are they turning the ball over? or Are they getting offensive rebounds? Like you know, if if one, then it's advantage Warriors. If the other, uh. You know, advantage Celtics. What, what do you think? What do, what do, do you do? You think that the Warriors bounce back and kind of gain a rebound better in, in Game Four? Is this uh, something we're we're going to see the rest of the series? Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I I think we continue to see this through the rest of the series. I, I just, I mean, unless they go to Looney more, and I mean, I, I know I don't know if the Warriors are going to want to play that too big lineup because it seems like they can't really score with it. So it's just like, otherwise, I think the Celtics are just bigger and more athletic. So I just think that's something that can continue. Now, I don't expect Draymond to continue to play as, as poorly as he did, but it just feels like they the Celtics just have an advantage going forward here. They talked about this on the broadcast a lot tonight. Uh, what do you think about, do you, do you think we see some, some Jonathan Kuminga maybe in, maybe in the Porter spot in, uh, in, in game four? That would shock me. Um, okay. Just because, I mean, it's, it is the finals. I mean, like, even tonight, like, if, if we were going to see Kaminga, why didn't he throw him in there tonight just to get some experience? Like, he he went back to Iggy tonight. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think 
I mean, the, the only thing I could say to that is maybe, you know, the difference of, of having a data, like a, like a full data prepare for him for whatever the role is going to be, rather than just, just tossing him in there in a game where you're already, you know, once Draymond fouled out, the game was, I mean, the game was largely over by then anyway, but I kind of feel like, uh, you know, that was, that was essentially it. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Uh, I, I think, I, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm just, I'm just shocked that, you know, it's just like, he seems to be willing to go to Iggy. Like over, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it's he wouldn't be the first coach to to you know try to trust the vets to their own detriment at times, and really, and, and honestly, that's that's something that that has um, occasionally bitten Kerr in the playoffs before. I know that uh, there was the the uh, the ceremonial Verjao minutes in the 2016 finals are still still uh, something that that Warriors fans don't like to talk about. Oh yeah, I mean like that. I mean that one stands out. I mean even when you look at, I think there was a there was a play in the 2016 finals where I think LeBron James got a zeely on a switch and he got the three point, he got the four point play or he knocked down a three, and that that was pretty much I think it was that that made the game a tie and then you know that kind of hurt them there. So yeah, uh, Lance has a question. Great, he was waiting before and then then dropped off. So. Lance, uh, if you want to unmute yourself and and what? Yeah, glitchy app and a crappy phone. Do the math. It's like a (laughs) tough on on this app sometimes. Especially on the political discussion. Like, no, no, I want to make a point. I get you know bad (laughs) perception. Anyway, I'm shocked. Shocked. You know the Celtics. I mean, my, I, you know, I feel like this Warriors team the last several years could go up against some of the old school teams like from the '80s or whatever when it was, uh, I, you know. I'm an old school guy anyway, but when it was, I think, a little tougher and more competitive because they're quietly tough, they're, they shoot like the fifth most threes, at least a couple of years ago, and they play defense no matter what area you want. So the Warriors, I thought, were just one of those, you know, legitimately, you know, of course, you know, big surprise to say that they won some championships, but I mean, just really, really good, well-oiled machine and just like really tight, look out for each other die for a loose ball for each other, you know. They're just very much team-oriented, you know, uh, 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 and all that stuff. But the Celtics, man. Now, let me get, ask you guys a question. Besides Jason Tatum, who is their second and third, like, highest scorers and rebounders and stuff? Well, uh, Jalen Brown's been, obviously, their, their, their second best oh, okay, scorer. Okay, Jalen um, Brown, I forgot, yeah. right. So yeah. he's like, he's a 20-and-7 he's a guy, right? Yeah. You know, like and then, that, and then four or five or even more assists, let's say. Yeah. And then the rest of them, they basically count on to, they, they basically count on the rest of, like, the you know, the rest of the rotation. You know, give us 10 to 14 every night, and we'll get... Right, know, right, right. Yeah, I forgot Jalen Brown. Yeah. Right. He's not a super-duper star, but he's, he's way up there. So there's two yeah. guys, because you have, like, Jordan, but you have Pippen. I mean, my God, you got Clay and Thompson and, you know, and Draymond Green. I mean, they just have these teams, you know, are just – and look at the old Celtics and stuff, but the Celtics don't have as many, like, just stars like that, do they? I mean um, – I, I think the Celtics are pretty – like, to me, I mean, look, they're not playing, like, 10, 11 guys like the Warriors are, but, I mean, they have – like, when you look at Tatum and Brown, they are, like, probably the premier wing combination in the league right now. Other than the Clippers, you're not going to find any combination of wings – like the Celtics. I mean, you got Tatum, you got Brown, you got Smart, you got guys who are switchable on defense. 
And oh, Marcus know, Smart, yeah, and Brown, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. yeah. They're two way players, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually glad you brought up like the the first sort of Warriors dynasty because. I, like I don't want to make the comparison, be, direct comparison, because that was one of like the great teams of you know of all time up there with like you know the the Jordan Bulls and, and the '80s Celtics and Lakers and stuff like that. But if you look at those teams, those teams didn't go very deep, and they got the guys that came in off the bench were Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston. Um, there's a little bit of I, I there is some similarity between you know you you those kind of guys coming off the bench and you bring in. You know, you're bringing a Derek White and a Grant Williams. I mean, those are, you know, not as good, but similar versatility and toughness and, you know, defense and, and you know, high, high basketball intelligence. And so they, have, they can play any combination of, like, seven guys and not have a weak link out there defensively. And when they're not throwing the ball all over the gym, have plenty of offense. So I, I like... I, so I agree with you, you, Raheem, that it's just a very yeah. solidly built team. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, only, the yeah, only thing yeah. this, this Celtics team is missing is a point guard. Like, I mean, that's pretty much it. And, I mean, they tried it with Schroeder earlier this year, and obviously that didn't work out. But, you know, once they got rid of him and they put Marcus Smart at point guard, you know, he was able to, you know, fill in the gaps. And, and I mean, he's not Chris Paul or he's not Kyle Lowry, but, I mean, he can make plays and, he can give them enough playmaking. And, and then Tatum's playmaking has really improved during his postseason. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which is another thing. Yeah, because I'm thinking, wow, they don't really have a guy like a like – a, well, obviously, they don't have – nobody's got a John Stockton, you know, like as far as I'm concerned, as great of a point guard, pure point guard ever in the history of the game. But, I mean, they don't have like – well, or Nash again, but they don't have any of that. And it's like they're still putting it to one of the better teams. You know, it isn't like some team – like the, the Mavericks could have snuck in. You know, they could have because of Jokic and maybe if there were some injuries and they had which the Warriors had, then it would be different. I'd say, yeah, okay, even matchup. But the Warriors are like, you know, they're kind of like a dynasty, mini dynasty team. To see the Celtics play the way they are against them, you gotta say it's the coach. How old is this guy? And I don't I don't follow it like I used to. I just Googled him for two twenty seconds, but then I realized he tutored under as assistant coach under Pop, under Greg Popovich. So that says a lot. Because he's as far as I'm concerned you know, the greatest coach in the history of the game. And my second choice for greatest coach in the history of the game to go off on a tangent would be Larry Brown, which nobody would ever say, but. No, I, I mean, it, uh, I think that, that Yudoka has had uh pretty, like a pretty impressive first season coaching uh, all, all things considered, especially like the Celtics kind of had a rough start to the season, but. Um, right. And, but. A lot of that was them learning to play a new defensive system, and they, once they figured that out, and kind of they had the patience to do it. I think that's a lot of why you know they're here. Is 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 that? Yeah, yeah. I I just think you got to give like a so 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 much credit for this coach to this coach as a first year coach. Without you know, I mean, look, Phil Jackson as an experienced coach, everybody. Oh, you know, take nothing away from him, but Red Auerbach built the Celtics from a crap low ball team to what they were. Okay. Larry Brown, why I say Larry Brown, his Larry Brown went from team to team to team and took cellar dwellers and brought them into like the conference finals. And, you know, he didn't have a lot of championships, but he built team after built team. Phil Jackson came in as an experienced coach with an, with Michael Jordan already on the team. He went to freaking with Kobe already. You know, that's what he did. But this guy takes like a ragtag, not a ragtag bunch. They got some solid players and Jason Taylor, but to do what he did as a first year coach, with who he's got, 
it's amazing to me. I think it's one of the best coaching uh, performances. You Lance, know. Lance, I got I got to push back on that a little bit because this is a Celtics team which is going to four conference finals under Brad Stevens. So it's not like he's it's not like Udoka. I mean, he's a great coach, but it's not like he built this thing from the ground up. Okay, I mean, he's, right, he's right, basically right. he's basically in a similar role to what Phil Jackson did. Okay, or what Kerr did with the Warriors to where okay, and I mean Brad Stevens, Stevens is Brad Stevens is still with the most of the same personnel. Same, it's the same team mostly because they don't have one. Okay, I stand corrected. I don't follow it, so I stand totally corrected on that. But even so, that's still a great job, you know, because of how good the Warriors are. So I I won't put them up there too high as I was gonna, but yeah, still good good coaching job. But it's gonna be a good series. So, okay, I'll leave you with this. There's no other, there is another caller, so I'll shut up in a second. But here's my prediction. Now here, let me ask you this question: Do you think it, that the two-three-two is unfair to the team that doesn't have home court? That two-two-one-one-one should go all the way through. I mean that they did move to it is now it's now back to two-two-two-one-one-one. I don't know. I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think I I, I know that uh, the media members prefer two-three-two just because the less travel. But I don't know. Yeah. I think I think at this honestly at this at this level like. If the evenly matched teams, like you got to win on the game on the road, you got to win a game on the road. I don't, right? I, I don't, you know, I, I think it's is it is 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 two three two a slight advantage to the uh to over over the two two one 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 to the the team with home court? Yeah, I think probably, but you can't win three in a row again. It, it goes back to your point about yeah. winning on the road, that's what final yeah. teams do, and so therefore, yeah. if you got to play three in a row. You're gonna lose one, you know, because it's hard to win three in a row, a whole more road, you know. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the reason. Yeah. Uh, but here's my prediction. So it's two one now. So it's one more in Boston, but then it goes back to San Fran, and then back to Boston, yep. and back to San Fran. Yeah. Okay. So so Boston. Okay. Wait. Two one. One more in Boston. I think the Warriors win. I think it's gonna be two two. I think it's gonna be two two when they go back. But then I think that. Uh, that the Boston will win one in, 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 at the Warriors and Celtics in six back home. I think that would mean that was a that was a popular pick before the series. I went the other way. I went Warriors in six. But you know, I, mm. at this point, that's uh, that that certainly seems possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll leave you guys with that and talk yeah. to you soon, huh? Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot, Lance. Thank you. Yeah, actually, um, I actually went Celtics with six. I actually wanted to go Celtics in five. Wow. And the only thing that stopped me was that the Celtics were coming off of a seven-game series, and I, I did some work on how teams perform after a seven-game series, and it's not typically too well. I mean, they actually pulled it off in game one, but I, I settled on Celtics in six. Do you, you want to talk about that a little bit? Like, like what did you – that's – you know, I, I saw some reference to – you know, and it makes sense, of course, for a team <laughs> – you know, with a sort of a rest disadvantage being at a disadvantage, but like, what did you, like, what did you find? Okay, so teams coming off of a, a seven game series, I think I forget the exact record, but I think it's thirty two. Well, I think it's thirty three and fifty one since nineteen eighty eight in game one. Um, and I mean, I think that's about sixty. Like, they lose sixty one percent of the time. <laughs> so it's like. I automatically, for the most part, like I've been fading teams coming off that seven-game series and, and game one of the following series. And then because teams who lose game one lose, lose 70% of the time, I think – Right. What is it? I, I forget. Um, damn, I wish I had the exact number. But 
teams who lose game one, I mean, teams who play in seven-game series, they're, they're losing almost 55% of the time, 60% of the time in the series altogether. So it's just like I really had to like the Celtics in order to pick them because I think that war of attrition really matters. And you got a Celtics team who coming off two two consecutive games, seven game series. So I I, I tend to weigh that pretty heavily. Like I, I think um, the last four or five game sevens, um, they come out and lost their opening game. So I've been playing that. Like I did some work on that. I, I say right when I started at Action, which was like a couple years ago, two thousand twenty, and it's it's fair well for me, so I've been I've been running with that. No, it's, I mean it, it certainly makes sense. I wonder, and and you know, you qualitatively you add to the fact, like like, like you said, two seven game series in a row and two very physical seven game series, which you know, uh, they're they're a team that's well equipped to deal with physicality, but still, it's got to got to take something out of you. And I think we yeah. I think we saw it a little bit in the first half of game one that it was just like we are moving much quicker now than we were. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, yeah. And then it, it sort of took them, it took them, you know, all, it took them almost really three quarters to almost get velocitated to the, to mm. the, the different style of play. Yeah, uh, actually, I got that exact number. Um, teams that win game seven are 36 and 47 straight up in the following series altogether. That's 43%. Wow. And then teams who come off a seven game series are 33 and 51. That's 38% in game one of the following series. So it's just like, and that's from 1988. And I think the reason I had that idea is because, you know, back in 2016, I love watching the Warriors, but I always told myself if the Warriors had played the Cavs before they played Oklahoma City, or matter of fact, if, if, if you switch those series out in reverse, they played the Cavs first instead of playing Oklahoma City, I think the Warriors are champions. But because they had to play that grueling seven-game series with Oklahoma City, I just don't think that they were the same team down the stretch. I see. I think. I think if you switch them, I think the Thunder are the champions. Like the, but yeah. But I get. I take your point. Um, yeah. That, like that Thunder. That those Thunder teams were were like some of the like it. I, I you know we we talk about them now a little bit, but I don't think people really remember how good those Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook Thunder teams were. Uh, what was it uh, 2014? The year that uh, Westbrook got. Uh, Got his knee um, with from Pat Beverly, if I'm remembering correctly. Like that, I think that was that was 2013. Right? Is that 2013? Yeah, that's like yeah. I, I keep going, like I, a bunch of stuff that I look at in terms of how teams perform against other top teams. Like that is like perhaps the best team in the last 20 years to not make the finals. Yeah, I agree with that. that. I mean, aside from you know you got you know teams like the 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 Suns getting. Uh, this year, although like this year's regular season numbers are weird. Anyway, uh, Abdul Rahman has another question, so let's get him back up here and 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 see what he what he's got for us. And whoa, sorry, but I have no sorry, but I have connection problem before, so I yeah. just drop. I have uh, talked about uh, Steph Hamdu. You. 2020, uh, 2022, 20, uh, I mean uh, 2020, you publish uh, the top, 100, top 125 player in the NBA. And you say about Seth that turnover become a problem with him. Do you see that like improve a lot or just he have better spacing now? Um, 
it's still a problem. I think it's it hasn't it hasn't gotten talked about much this series because it's a bigger problem the, on the other side. Like Golden State has moments, and they did it tonight, where they kind of throw the ball around the gym a little bit. It's just not as pronounced as when Boston does it. But I say that most of his turnover came from handle, not those stupid passes. So, like, that's maybe better for him. I'm, yeah, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't really looked at where his turnovers are coming from this, this year. I do, like, you know, that loose passing has always sort of been a little bit part of, of the Warriors, and... You know, you can argue back and forth whether it's carelessness or whether it's sort of part and parcel of playing with as much, as little structure as they play with. And sometimes you throw a pass to a guy who isn't, you know, going where you threw the ball. Um, so it's a price of both. But um, no, I think that is, that, is a, that is a weakness of theirs, but it's not as much a weakness relatively in this series just because... Look, what, what do you think? Have uh, have have you really noticed the Warriors being especially loose with the ball this series, or really this postseason? No, that if ah. you give uh, the ball to Green, you will just turn over the ball all over the gym. So <laughs> just don't give it to him. Sure. Uh, what do you think, Green? I mean, I, I think when you look at the teams who are the top turnover teams, they're teams who play with a lot of movement. I think that's something that the Warriors do. When you look at a team like the Mavericks, they're not turning the ball over because it's just a heliocentric offense where Luka has the ball all the, all the time. Or the Golden State Warriors, there's constant movement and, and things have to be perfect. And like Seth said, they play loose with the ball. So that's always going to be a, a thing that they're going to have issues with. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's it's, you know, the... The teams that that do a lot of you know setting up teammates. If it was easy to pass to a guy to, you know, there's a, there's a strong correlation between you know turning the ball over passing and passes that lead to that lead to open shots and assists. Like that, that's just you know it's easy to not turn the ball over if you're just going one on one. Like sometimes you get stripped or something, but you'll probably get a ba- at least be able to get a bad shot up. So teams that are that work, you know, to create shots for their teammates do tend to turn the ball over a little bit. And so it's just, it's one of those you probably just got to live with. And it's, it's almost not just the fact of the turnovers, but the kinds of turnovers. And I think that's like, not to, that's a, you know, beat a dead horse, but I think that's the thing with Boston is they have like, they don't just turn the ball over. They turn the ball over in such a way that it's like not just taking points off the board for them, but putting points on the board the other way. Yeah, there is a difference between Nash like turnover to the like baseline, very yeah. tough angle, and just Draymond Green throw the ball to Otto Porter height. Yeah, yeah. No, my uh, my high school coach used to used to yell when you when you throw like a bad pass and then give up a layup the other way. It's like if you're gonna throw that pass, throw the ball in the stands. It's like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like. And you know he's right because you know you get back on like he would just say at least we get back on defense then he's big big scary guy as I remember him and so it, it it's it's stuck in my head for twenty some years. Um, also, I, also, there is a question about uh, Paul. Do you think that he look like doesn't want uh, to attack Robert Williams or Grant Williams on switch? Do you, <laughs> how you how you solve that like problem? I would say. Yeah. 
I'll let you. I'll let you take this one. Um. Look, I, I, I came into this series thinking this was a bad matchup for Poole. Um, I mean, obviously, this is physical defense with a ton of wings. So I think he's going to continue to struggle. I mean, he had his moments in game two. I mean, tonight he was four of eight, ten points. But I don't think you're going to see the Jordan Poole that you saw in earlier playoff series. I just I just don't think he he has that capability to do. I mean, to do what he does on, on this defense. This is the number one defense in the league. They were holding teams to 104 points per one of possessions. And they've been the best defense in the league all year long. So I think that's going to be a constant struggle. And he wasn't the only one who didn't want anything to do with Robert Williams tonight <laughs> by the end of the game. Like that. I mean, so uh, yeah, no, but even, I, think, I think, sorry, go even Grant Williams, he doesn't want to attack him. Like this is yeah, like more problematic than attacking Robert Williams. Yeah. I mean, you gotta. I mean, you gotta remember it's Jordan. It's Jordan Poole's first playoffs, um, and and you know that's it, one of those things that like you can say, oh well, experiences. You know, I just got done, you know, complaining about you know coaches going to experience too often, but there's a reason for it. Like it 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 matters. Um, I I think you know you hear the like the Warriors guys talk about it like the you know Draymond is the guy who, who you know came up with the term you know 16 game player and it's you you know when you're and when when Bob Myers talks about it, it's like when you're the things you really like to do get taken away from you what do you do next and you know that that's a learning experience and like you know the, since the Warriors haven't really been in a competitive series yet this is almost the first real test of Jordan Poole. And, you know, it's something that, that the fact that he's not great in this first one isn't like, doesn't mean he never will be. It just means he might not be ready yet. Yeah, I have uh, the last question about does uh, Boston use to the Golden State physicality on drive or just they make tough shots like... Smart has really tough floaters that goes in. I don't think Golden State was as physical tonight. I think that Boston was the more physical team tonight. Uh, I talk about Smart uh, specifically has like okay. three huge floaters near the outside the paint, like near the dunker spot. But uh, also, I talk about the physicality more in the second hand than the first hand. Sure. What did, you, what did you think about the, the, the you know, wh- which team was the... I mean, you agree with me that Boston was the more aggressive team physically tonight, right? Oh, Raheem, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, I felt yeah. like, you know, coming in... I mean, look, I looked at halftime. At one point, the Celtics were shooting 85% at the rim. And it just felt like they were getting whatever they wanted in the paint. I mean, and then obviously you look at the rebounding advantage... It just they just were absolutely dominant, and it's just like I, I felt like in game two, Draymond really he took over game two, and you could see that his physical presence it it changed that it changed the game, and he didn't have that tonight. So it's just like Celtics were by far the more physical team, and I think if that continues, then this series is over. It's it was funny because like first play of the game, game two, like uh, Draymond like jumped all over Al Horford, forced a jump ball. Like literally right from the tip, 
like I don't I don't think it was the first play of the game, but it was very early in the game. Like he tried to like get into Jalen Brown, and Brown kind of backed up to half court and got a running start at him and just ran right by him. And like I yeah. think that almost in a way, like you know, Boston couldn't get couldn't really get moving towards the basket in game two, but both because they operate a little differently, but also I don't think, you know, on the road or in just a different game, Golden State didn't have quite the same level of of aggression from the start. One thing I, w- I will say is that, and I, I hate to put a lot of things on the, on the officiating, but it felt like the officials called a different game in game three than they did in game two. And I think if you're going to – if the officials are going to call more things, that's bad for Golden State because, I mean, Draymond Green is going to rile you up and he's going to push he's gonna push things to the limit. And I don't know if he was allowed to do that tonight. So it's just like if they're going to call a tighter game, to me, that's better for Boston um, I, because – That's not illegitimate to say. I mean, I you know, people – like ideally would you like it to be the same game to game? I Yes, but I think that – as long as it's consistent within a game, I'm fine with it. And then it's just, it's, you know, we play basketball inside, so we don't have to deal with the weather, but that's the weather. <laughs> you know, yeah. when the game is going to be loose or tight. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it as well. As long as it's consistent in the game, that's cool with me. But it's just like, I, I know that just every game is going to have its own story. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's, you know, that's, that's really the, like, so much of, like, we talked about just the one thing of, of you know everything that that kind of followed from from Boston having just a little bit more ability to like operate and get going to the basket, like I think that had a lot to do with them getting to the rim as much, with them getting the offensive rebounds, with them getting to the free throw line, and it's just like a tiny little thing has so many effects everywhere else on the floor that that's why you can kind of see these big swings game to game. Also, you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's so funny. It's so funny when you look at like games one and two. I mean, according to I think it was either Stat Muse or Basketball Reference, but the Celtics only made 30, 37 two point field goals. So they were just like they could not score from two. And they were getting the majority of their points from three, and I think you know that shifted it big time in this in this game three. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Also, Grant have really good minutes tonight. Our favorite player, me and Seth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm a big fan of both of the Williams guys. And no, Grant was Grant was good tonight. He had he had a couple of of like he he had a couple of very kind of timely like offensive rebounds and stick backs and a little duck ins to the basket where they just kind of got some garbage buckets just to kind of. Um, I think he had a pretty big offensive rebound right after Golden State took the lead, if I remember correctly. Um, Better version, uh, PG Tucker. I mean, it, I mean, he's, it, it kind of helps to be ten years younger. Younger, younger legs matter. Um, I want to. So, what in the third quarter? Um, there seems like there's a split of opinion from what I've seen. Like, was the third quarter a blip, or was that genuine danger for Boston? How did you like? How, how did you feel about you know when that like the seven point play? Where, where did you feel like the game was going, Raheem? 
I watch the net rating uh, all of the season, and Golden State have like plus six net rating in the third quarter. Yeah. So it felt like uh, a it will continue uh, like that. I mean, obviously, uh, sorry. Go ahead. For me, it felt like a blip. And, I mean, that was a massive swing because before that, they were, like, kind of neck and neck as far as, you know, point for point until that seven-point swing. And then right after the seven-point swing, I mean, the, the Warriors took the lead, and then the Celtics kind of got it right back. And then they sat down Steph Curry. And, like, typically Steph Curry t- tends to play most of the third quarter, and then they kind of bring him back in with, seven, eight minutes to go. But when they sat down Steph Curry, I was like, look, this is kind of a, a time where Boston can kind of, you know, get back on their feet. And then I know Steph was going to play the, the whole fourth. So it's just like that Warriors run, that, that first couple of minutes of the fourth is going to decide a ton. And obviously Steph came out, he missed a couple shots, turned the ball over, and the game was over. But I felt like it was a blip. I just didn't feel like the Celtics were going to let that get away, especially after what happened in game two. I actually thought that the sub pattern was was going to work in Golden State's favor when I saw like you come out in the fourth quarter and and, and Boston's backcourt is smart and Pritchard, and I kind of expected to see a ton of like small small pick and roll just going straight at Pritchard with Steph, and they never really got to that. Um, so that but that was like just just from you know switching their rotation up a little bit, I thought got them a favorable matchup, but it just it didn't quite work out for them. Yeah. You know, um, I always wonder, I mean, like, Steph seems like a guy who's, like, he's really into his routine. Um, and I know, like, I, I've complained about it for years. Like, why are y'all bringing Steph Curry back <laughs> with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter? And I think they switched up his, his routine at some point earlier this year, and it didn't really work out for him. And they brought him back to his role routine. So I wondered that during the game. It's like he's – I know it's the playoffs and guys are playing more minutes, but this is a smaller guard and he takes a lot of jump shots. So, I mean, you just, I, I wouldn't have been the first time he'd have worn down, down the stretch of a game. I think, I think we saw it in game one a little too. So, and maybe that leads to sort of a, a bigger point is, you know, how worried should Golden State be that, like basically their offense is either a transition running something through Steph in the half in the half court or nothing at all. And the fact that they have to, you know, they have to win uh, what, three out of four now. And can they do that with, can they, how much of a problem is relying on him that much? I think it's a huge problem. I mean, you're not only relying on him, you're relying on, you know, I use the term Larry Holmes status, <laughs> um, which is, you know, <laughs> but it's just like you're le- you're relying on an older Clay Thompson. And Clay had a good game tonight. Um, and so you got a good game from Clay. You got a good game from Steph. At some point, Steph's going to have a down game. And look, I mean, I love Steph Curry. He's probably my favorite player in the, in the league. But He's not Kevin Durant. He's not Kawhi Leonard. He's not LeBron James. He's not these bigger wings. He's He wears down. And you kind of always need, like, in these playoff moments, you need a guy who's going to consistently get you a shot. And he's he's been able to do that. He had 31 points tonight. But it's just, I mean, it, 
when you look at the fact that instead of game, they had a good game, and they still only scored 91 points in the half court. That's that's troubling. I mean, like you said, they're dependent on turnovers and transition opportunities, and the way the Celtics are, you know, being physical and dominating in the paint, I don't know how many are are, are going to come. Like, Curry is he's he's so good off the dribble that he sometimes like these things are hard to to figure out. But I like remember thinking there's the play where. He like they ran a pick and roll. Grant Williams was guarding him, and and Rob Williams guy set the screen, and he kind of went left, and then did a big step back and hit this tough jumper, like toe on the line over over Grant Williams, and it's like, I think I'm fine with that if I'm Boston. I think I think that's a that's kind of a shake his hand play, and you know if you're gonna if you have to do that 25 times a night to beat us, I like our chances over over the next several games. But, like, you know, but Curry sort of warps your idea of what is and isn't a good shot so much that I'm really, I'm, I'm not sure how much I actually believe that. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, if this, if this were 2016 Curry, I'd be a little bit more worried. But, I mean, this is 2022 Curry. I just, I just don't think that this team has, they just don't have this, I mean, Curry's not the same. I mean, he's still good, but he's not the same. Clay's not the same. And then it's just you're relying on Jordan Poole. And, I, like, I've hated this Warriors team all year long, so I could be biased. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been – like, I've picked against them so much. <laughs> did you did you say they were going to lose on, in the first round on a podcast? Oh, no, no I didn't the, say that. No, no, that was me. That was me. That was me and Mel. <laughs> now, to I, be I, fair, to be fair, we, we both reserved the right to – okay, if Steph comes back and looks, looks pretty good, I'm going to change my mind pretty quickly. And he did, so I did. But – yeah, like so I mean, my take. I'm, I'm that, with you. <laughs> my take was that the Grizzlies or the Mavericks would go to the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> that was my take. And I mean, the, the Mavericks ended up making making it through beating the Suns, and I, I actually picked against the Suns in that series. But I thought the Grizzlies were live to beat the Warriors, and then I didn't get to see it through because John Morant got injured. And I actually went to Game Five, and it was so funny because I was eating. I actually ate um, dinner with James Goldstein and my ticket broker. And Joe Lacob and the Warriors ownership broke, walks up. And I asked him, are you afraid of anybody? And they said no. And I said, you guys got to be afraid of Boston. <laughs> so it's just like I've been kind of waiting for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now they now just dancing about it a little bit. Um, <laughs> so what, like, what, what adjustment do you – like last topic, and then let, we'll get out of here because it's it's late. Because for some reason they're starting these games at nine Eastern time. Um, it's great for the kids. Great for the kids. Um, uh, what what adjustments are you expecting to see game four from Golden State? I mean, I, you know, one of Boston's big adjustments tonight was just play better, but they also did like, and so I, there, there's some of that. Like Draymond Green will play better, but strategically, rotation wise. What are you expecting to see, and what would you suggest that you don't expect to see? This is tough for me. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I think you mentioned Kaminga earlier, but I, I just don't. Ex- I, I mean, I would like to see him, but I just don't think they're going to throw him in a pivotal game four on the road. Um, I do like the fact that they've been playing Otto Porter more minutes. I like that. But, he was um, bad tonight, though. Other than yeah. that, like other than that, that that crazy three he hit to end the seven point possession, like he didn't, he was he was not good tonight. 
Yeah. Um, I, I noticed they weren't playing the two big lineups, which was, I mean, I understood that. I, I just don't know how many more places they can go, really. Like, what, uh, like, so- what are you thinking? I mean, Mo Mo Dekiel, my one of my one of the my my the, the co potters on Nerd has been banging away that they need to stay big, uh, all serious. And you've I mean you've talked about playing Looney more and like you know maybe um, I mean maybe maybe saying you know Green and Looney and 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 keeping two of Green Looney and and Porter on the floor as much as possible or. Or Kaminga, if he goes into that that uh, that that Porter slot, um, I mean, that seems like it it can help with the offensive rebounding, and you know that also maybe that uh, like Looney was setting some pretty monster screens tonight. Maybe that makes things easier for for Steph and Clay to get get loose if if Looney's out there, um, you know, out there like you know being being a pulling guard for them basically. Yeah, I mean it's tough when you have nine shooters on the court. That's the, that's, that's the biggest problem with going big. It's you can't this team punk. You can't punk out like that happens. So I'm glad it's not my job. I don't get <laughs> right. No, so. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, in the comments, I love the classic. I love Steph Curry, but from the uh, uh, <laughs> um, it was very, very, uh, very Stephen A. Smith of you. But um, so, all right, let's get you out of here. Like, so you, 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 you called Celtics in six before the series. Or I, I imagine yeah. that you're that that you're, you're sticking with that pretty. Strongly. Yeah, I'm sticking with that. I think I think um, the Celtics. I'm, I'm going. I want to see the, uh, the officiating assignments, but I think I'm going to go with the Celtics in game four. Maybe the Warriors take game five, and then I think the Celtics close out in six. Um, but, I mean, you always got to you always got to worry about game six clay. But I didn't expect yeah. clay to have a monster series. Like, I mean, just based on the fact that we saw how they defended Struess in the Miami series. You knew that they were going to kind of lock in on him. And, then, I mean, clay is older. I mean, Celtics have the wings, so – I just, I think the Celtics close this thing out on a six. I'm sticking with that. I mean, it, it's hard to argue with that other than the, the there's two big question marks coming out of this game. One, you know, given how much better Robert Williams looked with, with two, two full days off, what does he look with only one, how does he look with only one day off? And then like, you know, what, uh, what, you know, Steph tweaked something in his leg in that, in that, in that pileup where Green got his six foul. So, um, if he's compromised in the rest of the series, I you know I think Celtics in five is very much in play. Yeah, um, I mean the way guys have been going through treatment in this postseason, like I'm almost I'm almost sure that he's going to be okay. Um, I have no real you know way of estimating that, <laughs> but I, I watched Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler look dead. <laughs> in game five and then come back in game six and they look like brand new players. So 
I, I just and even with Robert Williams, Robert Williams look. I know he had a couple more days off, but I think they'll, they'll have a around the clock treatment. And I expect Steph to be Steph, and I expect Robert Williams to be Robert Williams because he Robert Williams. I think he tweaked something the other day um, in game two, and he finished the game all right today. So I gotta just assume these guys guys will be healthy. Yeah, that, the, I, the, I hope so because it would like you know for for as much as injuries have been a a storyline in these playoffs. It'd be nice if the finals were just like who goes out and wins the game. Um, let's, let's kind of wrap up there before you go. Uh, you know, uh, since, uh, you know, your congratulations again on the, on the new gig at the ringer. Why don't you tell the folks what you're doing there and, and where they can find you. You can find me at the ringer. We have the podcast on Spotify. I'm on the ringer gambling pot with, um, JJ and house. Um, probably gonna be doing some more stuff. I just started, I'd say last week. I'm not writing right now. I was writing at the Action Network, doing podcasts, doing videos. I'm pretty much just doing podcasts right now, which is cool. But um, we're gonna be um, launching some new podcasts, especially going into the fall. Um, I actually picked an interesting time to start at the Ringer, um, just because it's the end, end of the NBA season. I do NBA, NFL, and boxing, so you'll be seeing stuff from me um all throughout the, the year summer fall so <laughs> well cool well well thanks for coming on on short notice i i appreciate it and i wanted to again uh you know congratulate you i remember the the first time we talked about stuff was uh was shortly before you got the job at the action network and it's been it's been sort of uh fun to see you come into your own over the last couple of years so so congrats on that and and uh Keep it going. Oh, th- I mean, thanks for having me on. And I just, you know, I want to thank you for actually inspiring me. I, I think we spoke right after um, the George Floyd um, incident. And I was looking for some mentorship. And you you kind of had a conversation with me. And you kind of got it. Because I was trying to figure out what I was doing. I was professional sports better. And I was like, I want to turn this into something more. And our conversation really, you know, got me in the right direction. I've always been inspired by your work. So, thank you for having me. Oh, I appreciate that, but uh, you're giving me way too much credit. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot for listening, folks. I will be back on Friday as of right now, (laughs) given it's Friday night. It it might just be me solo riffing and taking questions, but if I can uh, wrangle a guest who also has children and therefore doesn't go out on Friday nights anymore. Uh, we might do that. So thanks again for listening. Take care and talk to you then. Oh, before I forget, also on Friday, uh, uh, co- uh, return engagement for Jen Statsky, uh, the, the showrunner of Hacks and uh, big time Clippers super fan to talk about uh, TV comedy and how, uh, how writing for TV is like working for a sports team. We're really looking forward to that. So thanks for listening and uh, talk to you all later.